Hey guys, thanks for tuning into Mass's World this week. Instead of asking you to rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast, I'm just going to ask you to share it with at least one friend. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Here's a message from our sponsors. Hey, welcome into this episode of Mass's World. I have an amazing guest for us today. Um, he's the Director of Marriage Ministry at Watermark Church. His name is Scott Kadersha. Um, Scott, welcome to the show. Um, I just want to fill you out, give the listeners a little bit about you, man. Thank you. Good to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Um, let's start with your story. A little bit um, just about you, how you got to where you are, a little bit about family. Um, you, I, I want the listeners to hear authentic Scott. Yeah, so I'll give you just a brief version of it. So I grew up in the Northeast, grew up in New Jersey with a mom and dad who loved me. Uh, not a Christian home, but great parents, one younger brother, dad died at a young age, mom remarried, moved to Pennsylvania. And I grew up as a guy who, um, you know, who uh, struggled in many ways, struggled with my weight, with insecurity, started looking at porn at a really, really young age. And uh, just lots of challenges that kids typically go through. I had no faith whatsoever. Yeah, so I just kind of assumed because I was a middle upper class guy growing up in America that I was a Christian sure, and you know, I wasn't Buddhist, Muslim, Jewish, anything like that. So just assumed I was a Christian, went to college. I went to Wake Forest university. It was there at the same time as Tim Duncan. Nice. The greatest power forward in the history of the game of basketball. Better than Kobe Bryant. But yeah, pretty much better than everyone. Uh, and we were, you know, we were not buddies or anything like that. I've walked by him once or twice, but, uh, Good years, you know, successful at Wake in every way, academically, socially, you know, fraternity, all that, but absolutely miserable inside, suicidal, got to the end of my senior year and was completely empty. And right around that time, I met a guy named Will. Will shared the gospel with me. And long story short, a few years after that, really trusted in Christ at the age of 24 and um, went on to become a physical therapist. Met my wife. She was actually one of my teachers when I was in grad school. And the Lord really changed my life as a, you know, as a 24, 25 year olds. We ended up moving to Dallas in 2002. We've been here 17 years, been a part of Watermark Community Church the whole time. Serve as director of marriage ministry. Uh, married almost 18 years to Kristen. That's incredible. We've got four boys. So it's a super, super fun loud smelly obnoxious home <laughs> with their boys so twins who are almost 15 and then a 12 year old and 10 year olds and uh, great i mean just lots to be grateful for in our world still struggle with many things you know with um what it looks like to follow christ and being committed and taking care of my body and anger insecurity a lot of the same things, but grateful for a really good support group and my wife and, and great friends around me. Man, that's incredible. I love hearing just different stories here now. The Lord moves in that. So you talked about being the director of marriage ministry at Watermark Church. What does that look like? Yeah, so I've got the job. Every I know every kid grows up wanting to be a marriage <laughs> pastor. And so I, I kind of fell into it. Never, never wanted to do that. Didn't even know what that was. Nobody knows what a marriage pastor is. Uh, but I but I get to work with a great team of staff and leaders and help couples on the pre-married side, just making this big decision about marriage. And then once they get married, I get to help them start their marriage really well, help them grow it when they start having kids and go through the transitions of life. And then 
when they're in crisis. I work with a really great team that helps restore marriages when, you know, we see it all around us, broken marriages everywhere. And uh, my team gets to play a great role in, in helping couples recover and grow in their marriage. That's really cool, just considering the fact that over 50% of marriages yeah. right now are ending in divorce and that you get to play a role in helping to solve that problem. Um, we went through um, one of the ministries Scott runs. It's called Merge, um, and it's pre-marriage, um, and it was incredible. We'll also get into his book a little bit later, just which is Merge in a Book, and it's incredible. Don't do it alone, though. Um, but it's amazing. And, dude, I love just, just hearing about your job. I think you bless so many people, and through through God, you know, I, I just see him working in you. Thank you. Um, which is really special. I want to kind of jump into what the, the meat of this po- podcast is going to be about, um, just a little bit more on the marriage side, a little bit of singleness, stuff like that. But if you would, just describe what marriage is and what marriage is not. Yeah, good question. Uh, so, you know, one, I'm just what marriage is. Uh, or, all right, so we can, I think we could all agree there's a lot of confusion about marriage. And so some people would say marriage is just a commitment people make to each other and they don't tell anyone else. Marriage is moving in with each other. Marriage is being intimate physically with someone. All of those things, you know, marriage is um, something I do for a short period of time and then get out and then marry someone else. These are all the worldly definitions right. of marriage. Sometimes people think uh, you're not complete unless you're married. Jerry Maguire. Yeah, exactly. You complete, yeah, you complete me and if I'm not married, then I'm incomplete. Right. Which means that Mother Teresa, the Apostle Paul, Jesus, we're all incomplete somehow. Yeah. And so that's not true. What marriage is, it's one, it's so much greater than I think we often hear. I agree. Yeah, all we hear is like the really tough stuff that it's uh, difficult, the old ball and chain, the divorce rates at 50% in the church, outside the church, whatever the research shows. We don't talk about how great it is. And so marriage is a gift from God. It's the first thing I'd say. And then, you know, we looked, I looked at God's word. What does God's word say about it? It's a man and woman leaving their mother and father, becoming united, becoming one with each other. Right. Meaning that they get to enjoy intimacy with each other in every way. They, they know each other. They're fully known. They don't have to fear rejection or the other person running away. It's a, it's a lifelong commitment till death do us part. It's a, it's an opportunity to, to have fun, companionship, to have a, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. In Genesis two eighteen, it's uh, the opportunity to multiply and fill the earth. It's you don't have to be married to have kids, but it's God's ideal way. The way that He designed it is that a man and woman would come together and reproduce and and have a whole lot of fun along the way with that. Sure, it's a, it's a picture of God's love for us, and so these are all different components that are all from God's Word that just describe what this relationship is. And then last thing, there's a lot more I could say, but you know, it's not, it's not a conditional relationship. Yeah, it is. It is permanent. Yeah, permanent, unconditional. I, you know, my my actions are not dependent on yours. You know, it's, it's what I would say to my wife. It's this unconditional, unbreakable, till death do us part relationship, and it's beautiful. It's it's different than any other human relationship on earth, and we have ruined it in the way we talk about it inside the church and outside the church and. So many bad marriages around us, we get such a, a really poor picture of this incredible gift that God's really given us. Right. And I, I think you hit it spot on when you talked about how we talk about it. I um, 
I don't want to speak for other marriages and not that my marriage is perfect, but man, after a tough day's work, the first thing I want to do is go home to my wife and hang out with her. Um, and I don't have kids yet, but that man, that is, I'm, I'm beelining it for the door as soon as I can. And when I don't, when I see people that are married that aren't doing that, I, it almost, almost breaks my heart a little bit because I just feel so lucky. And like I said, not that my marriage is perfect by any means, but boy, I, I love being around Anne. I love being home. I love getting to spend time with her. Um, so to f- further that, um, to not get to a broken marriage, what should be priorities in your marriage? What, what, what do you think a couple are? And you can just expand on them from there. Yeah, just one, one thing on what you just said that, you know, I read this quote by Martin Luther. I think he said it originally. It's something along the lines of, you know, let, let the husband be sad to leave his home in the morning and may he be excited to get home at the oh. end of the day. And so, you know, so many of us, you know, man or woman in our job, we find so much fulfillment and we're excited about what we do. We get affirmation, we're challenged, we get to use our gifts. And, and you know, so sometimes we're so drawn to our jobs and not drawn to home and, and we're just missing out on what is intended to be this, you know, this uh, relationship that's different than anything else. And as much as I love my job, just like you said, Ryan, I mean, there's nothing like coming home and kissing my wife and seeing my kids and uh they're at a great age where we we really enjoy spending time together and, and awesome. like you it's it, we're very far 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 from perfect right and our kids are far from perfect but it's the it's the number one human relationship i get to have with, with my wife and then with my kids that's so good yeah so along those lines you know my, the priority number one priority you know if, if you're a follower of christ your, your number one priority is your relationship with the lord and so the way to have a great marriage is not to be a great husband or a great wife. The way to be a great spouse is to love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you are fully committed to him, then I, I, and I believe that's going to make you the great husband or wife you want to be. And so, you know, your priority, my priority is not first and foremost to my wife. My priority relationship is with the Lord. And then I let that affect every part of my life. Oh, that's really, 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 really good advice. I love, I love hearing that. You know, I, when I'm making this outline, I'm thinking practical and you're just, you're blown, you're, you're spot on, good. you know, good. that's, that's exactly um, what, what I needed here. I think, I think that that will serve you well just be the best Christ follower you can be and trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding um, and he will make straight your path. So I think that's, that's an ideal answer. Um, I'm going to change direction a little bit and kind of talking about, because I do have a younger audience, why is, is getting married young so taboo? And why, why does that kind of have a, a stigma to it? Like, oh, you're 24, 25. I, I don't know about that. What, why, do you, why do you think that is? Yeah, I, I hate that. And, it, and, I, and I know I see that. So I, I got married at 28. Kristen was 31. She's an older woman. I call her my cougar at times. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and looking back now, I'm like, I wish I got married at a young age. And I think partly why it's taboo is because of what we talked about earlier of like marriage is not seen as a gift. It's seen as a burden, as a, you know, as something you kind of do once you travel to Europe and get the car you want and get the pet and have the dream job. And (laughs) once you check everything off the list, then you might as well get married because all your friends are getting married. You don't want to stay single. And I go, man, this is this is something that is a 
amazing gift that uh, should not be pushed away. It doesn't mean you rush into it. And so I think part of the stigma, if you're getting married at a young age, uh, you know, are you getting married for the right reason? Are you getting married because you think you're not complete, like we talked about before? Or um, because you're watching all your friends get married? You know, that's not the reason you get married. But if you if you understand who God is, you understand what marriage is, you find someone who loves the Lord, why would you not get married till death do us part? I, I wish, wish we got married younger, started having kids younger. Uh, the reason it's taboo is because we so often mess it up. But if you do it the right way, that has nothing to do with your age. That has to everything to do with your understanding of marriage. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's awesome. And on the practical side, it's like you have more energy. Like you can do a lot of stuff. You're 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 not making that much money. So it's like you learn to live at a low cost yeah. of living. Like yeah. I, I mean, it's it, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's it is it is so fun. And we're about to get a whirlwind and what it's like to have kids and yeah. to lose all the. The, the stewardship we've been given. Um, but what what is, so you've kind of hit on the one thing that we should all look for in a spouse, and, the, and that is relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Period, into story. And so you're saying, well, what if you're not the most attracted to them? What if um, our interests, interests are not exactly the same? You think if they're following the Lord, man, that, that should trump all. Obviously, there's some practicality to it, but I mean, it's pretty simple. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a whole like soulmate myth. Like there's only one possible person for me in the entire world. <laughs> and so out of seven plus billion people, right, you got to find the one person yeah. who's intended and made for you. And, and God knows who we're going to marry. But, um, but, you know, that myth of thinking that I've got to find the perfect person who's just aligned like me is is false and you're never you're never going to find that person because everyone's imp- imperfect. Yeah, we're all imperfect. You're not going to be 100% when one sinner marries another sinner, it's impossible to be completely compatible. And so we look for this person who is perfectly aligned with us and they don't exist. And so you know, you want to find like a couple of things absolutely someone who's fully committed to the Lord. That changes everything in their life. Someone who is teachable and humble. Like I think if I've seen one thing that separates a strong marriage from uh, a struggling one or, or not great one is, is, you know, if the husband and wife are teachable and humble, we see that God opposes the proud, gives grace or shows favor to the humble one. I don't want God to oppose me or to oppose my spouse. Right. <laughs> and yeah. And then I want to be someone who's, who's willing to receive correction and, uh, and, and be challenged and spurred on to grow. And if you don't, if you're not that person and you're not, dating or engaged to somebody who's that person, then uh, I, I would hit pause and I would wait until you grow in humility or until they grow in humility. And you're not going to get perfect in that, but you've got to be some with someone who, who's teachable and humble. And if you're already married and you struggle with it, welcome to the club. That's every one of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But just pursue humility. What is it? And the way you pursue humility is not by trying to be more humble. It's by trying to be more like Christ. Yeah. That that's, that's really good, and I I think another you know practicality is is look at their look at their friends, look at who they hang out yeah. with because you can get a nice vibe because everybody kind of puts on this mask when you're dating, um, and you'll see some chinks in the armor, but man, if if their friends by and large are are chasing after the Lord and 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 doing things that um, make sense that a, a spouse would do, they're they're humble and and taking advice or um, being rebuked or However that looks, you know, 
you can look to their friends and it, it's going to be a prime example of probably what they are as well. Yeah, yeah, it's such a, such a great point. So, I mean, I know we, we were just talking about community, about what a great gift it is to us of people who sharpen us and encourage us. And uh, Proverbs thirteen twenty: he who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And then the Proverbs are filled with verse after verse after verse of people who reject the counsel of others. You need to find someone and you need to be someone who's willing to be in community. If your significant yeah. other is not pursuing, you're not married yet and they're not willing to listen to others, that's a big, big, big red flag. And if that's your story, that's a red flag. And so that that gift of friendship is such a huge role in getting married and then once you're married. Yeah, no, I, I think that's really good. Um, we've kind of talked about how, you know, looking at marriage as a gift, but with marriage, there's, with two sinners, there's going to be conflict. And I've heard you say it. Let's use conflict as an opportunity. What, what does that mean? How, how would you phrase that? Or how would you put that in? Uh, how does conflict, how's com- that's contradictory. So how does conflict yeah. an opportunity? Yeah. So first, like what, what does conflict mean? So conflict doesn't mean that a husband and wife are physically hurting each other. Right. So to be like abundantly clear, that's not, sometimes we hear the word conflict and we think, Conflict fight. in the Middle East. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or a fight or a battle or anything like that. What When we say that, we really mean like anytime you disagree, anytime someone tries to sharpen or correct, those are all opportunities. And so it's an opportunity to become more like Christ. It's an opportunity to glorify God. So when, when two people are in disagreements with each other, but when they learn how to resolve it, that glorifies God. That makes God look really good. Uh, conflict allows us to grow in our relationships. It's so often there's this wall that comes in the way and, and we don't deal with it. We just pretend it's not there. We, the proverbial sweep it under the rug. Mm. And when you do that, all it does is it builds up bitterness and resentment and frustration. And so instead, what does it look like for you to push through it to quote, you know, so to speak, knock that wall down to, to deal with the conflict. That's how you grow in your relationship with others. That's how you grow in your relationship with your spouse and it's not a matter of if you're going to conflict you will but it's a matter of when and how often and how you're going to deal with it and it is uh it will the inability to resolve conflict always shows up as number one or two on the list of why couples get divorced and so you can't ignore it you got to deal with it yeah and use conflict as an opportunity y'all um so last kind of segment here i'm gonna i'm gonna ask a couple things of advice and we're gonna hit on three groups singles newlyweds and then couples who are about to become parents just because that's kind of my audience but i'm just going to ask for one piece of advice um for all three of those groups so if if you had a single friend what are you telling them hey here's one piece of advice um before marriage or if you're not far from being married or what would you tell them yeah so if i uh great question if i had advice for a single person i would tell them it's going to sound cliche but pursue christ yeah Right? You have the gift of time, you have the gift, you have gifts that God's given you, the gift of friendships, and I would chase after God and I would have a lot of fun in the midst of it with other people who love the Lord. Because when you get married, things are going to change significantly, or if you get married, and so uh, spend as much time with the Lord and his people as you can. Right, because time only gets more valuable, right, yeah. as you go on in life. All right, what is, if you had to give one piece of advice to newlyweds, what would it be? 
Yeah, so that transition from single to married is really hard. Yes, especially because you build up some habits. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, and so the, and the, the longer you've been single, the more habits you have, some good, some bad. And so my advice for newlyweds is to deal with your selfishness. And so James 4.1 says, what causes fights and quarrels among us? It's selfish desires that wage war within us. And I'd say just, you know, Lord, spouse, tell me where I'm selfish and address it. You're, you'll be a much better spouse. You'll enjoy marriage a whole lot more if you deal with your selfishness. Oh, that's so good because, man, when you get married, the magnifying glass gets put on your selfishness. <laughs> and like everything you want to do, you feel like you've got a decision to make now. It's like, should I do this or this? And not again, not to put a negative light on marriage. It's just when you go from single to having all this time to being married, it's not your decision. It's an our, our decision. decision. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's that's awesome. Deal. Yeah, learn how to deal with your selfishness. And then lastly, what about, and this is a selfish question. So I just talked about not being selfish. But um, what about couples who are about to become parents? What would you say to them? Um, because we need this and we understand mar- our marriage comes first. And if our marriage is thriving, then, you know, our, our child is, is probably going to thrive in that scenario. Yeah, there's so much. So we do an expecting parent class at Watermark. We're signed up. Yeah, you are, so, which is really fun just to help couples get ready for being a mom and dad and to help them prepare for what's ahead. And, you know, I think my advice would be just to enjoy that gift and the stage of life you're in. And so if you can travel together, get some time together, your, your life is going to change radically, you know, with a baby. And um, and so I'd say what, what, do you, what can you do to just continue to build memories and embrace it. I mean, there's a lot of challenges in being pregnant, and uh, and it's a gift, you know, from the Lord. He's given you this child, mm. and uh, and then embrace every season along the way. This is a little bit more of once you're a parent. There's so many times when I wished away those tougher days, as you know, on the pregnant side for my wife, and then when we had young kids, and I just wanted them to get to the next phase. I can't wait till we get to the next trimester. I can't wait till we. You know, uh, until uh, they sleep through the night. I can't wait until they're out of diapers. I can't wait till they're in school. And now with kids who are older, I'm watching all that time is gone. Mm. And and the memories are there, but but there's so many times I wished it away. And I wish I would have just embraced it a little bit more. And go, you know, God, what are you trying to teach me in this? Thanking God for those moments, those trials as an opportunity to grow. And seeing it more as a gift instead of something I'm just trying to wish away. No, I think that's really good. And I'll be honest, I think the Lord's trying to hit me over the head with something because, you know, I, I keep hearing the message of be where your feet are at. Mm. Like, don't, if, if, if it's tough right now, be okay with that and lean into the adversity and lean into the, because um, God's molding you for something. And um, I just, man, that's fantastic. And I can't wait to become a parent. I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to write that somewhere on my mirror or something. Um, but yeah, that's going to wrap up our conversation with Scott. Scott, thank you so much for coming. Where, um, if the people want to follow you, um, I know you a have a website, scottkadersha.com. Um, and if you go there and, and subscribe, you're going to get 124 killer date ideas. Right. Um, he shares unbelievable biblical wisdom, um, through a blog. Um, and then social media wise, where, where can these people follow you? Yeah. So the good thing about having the last name Kadersha is that nobody else has my <laughs> name. And so I can get whatever handle and website I want. So Kadersha is K E D E R S H A. And so Twitter is S Kadersha, uh, Instagram S Kadersha, 
Facebook author Scott Kadersha, I think is the name of it. And uh, scottkadersha.com uh, would be the best place to find me if you're looking for good marriage, parenting, ministry, leadership content. Yeah, I think I think that's great. And you also just wrote a book, Ready or Not. Um, my wife and I are going through it, and it's um, it's technically for pre-married, but it's it's timeless. It's timeless truths, and um, man, can't it's it's incredible. And then um, I want to just plug Merge. Uh, my wife and I like giving this as a wedding gift because um, you can. It's, it's not very expensive, uh, and it's going to last a lifetime. Yeah. And um, why don't you just tell us what Merge is a little bit more, just kind of in, in detail, I guess. Yeah, so Merge is a class we do at our church at Watermark for couples who are seriously dating and engaged. And our hope is that we would help them make the, the best decision in their relationship. And so if they're seriously dating, processing whether or not to put a ring on the finger, if they're already engaged, just how to best prepare for marriage, it's fun. It's safe. It's authentic. It's uh, uh, we've been doing it for about twelve or thirteen years. We've probably had six or seven thousand couples come through the class, all over the place spiritually. You know, people who love the Lord, people who have no relationship with God whatsoever, different faiths, different religions. We teach from a biblical worldview, but and don't compromise our message there. But it becomes a really safe place for couples to process their relationship. So you can find out more at watermark.org slash merge m-e-r no i'm not saying marriage merge m-e-r-g-e <laughs> to find out more about that class yeah and if if you want to go and you can't afford it or anything like that please reach out to me i'd love to give that gift my wife and i like we we plan out a budget to give stuff like that away because it's awesome. just i mean it's 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 moving the kingdom forward and it's it's incredible but but Scott, uh, man, I'm I'm gonna ask to have you on again. You're you're awesome, dude, and I and I I've loved having you on, man. Thank you, I appreciate it. Great for what you're doing. I love that line you just said. Be where your feet are at. I mean, I wrote that down. That's I need that reminder as well. Yeah. So thanks for the encouragement. Appreciate anytime, it. Anytime. Anytime. Well, that concludes this episode of Masses World. Hope to see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Masses World. Again, instead of rating, subscribing, and reviewing this podcast, I ask that you share it with one person that might like to hear it. Thanks again for joining me, and I look forward to seeing you next time.